and welcome to episode five of the Puck Around podcast presented by Fantasy Hockey Network. I'm your host, Avery Rosen. Uh, unfortunately, we're down a, a panelist today, but we still got a nice round table for you. Kyle Kagan, Jace Rosen. How are you? How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. Feeling good. A lot of hockey. Some nervous, some nervous matchups for me right now, but you know, feeling good. Feeling good. Yes. Yeah. How are you guys doing in your matchups? I had an unlucky week. I'm playing two people who are leading the league in points right now, and another is third. So it's not looking great, but I'm fourth in my league in points in all three of those leagues, and another I'm leading the league. So not so bad. Long-term outlooks okay. looking pretty good for my boys. Not bad. Not bad. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm in a couple battles here. Well, actually, one of them, I'm out of it now. And, and a lot of it had to do with the schedule this week. I'm going to be honest. Like, my boys performed. I'm going to give them credit here. Um, but like I was down like 13 man games, I believe. And just kind of the schedule was really, really not helpful to a lot of managers this week. I don't know about you guys. I had to make decisions on every, on what was it? Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there was just, there's nothing. And I kind of tried to adjust my waiver wire picks for that, but uh, it hasn't really worked out for me. What about you guys? I got screwed in my other league. I did because my keeper league, it's positional rankings or it's, sorry, it's the positional slots. So there's center, left wing, right wing slots. And my centers are Anze Kopitar, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, uh, and Sean Monaghan. And this week I kept Kopitar on the bench for the most part because his games were Tuesday, Thursday. And uh, Tuesday wasn't too bad, but he had a two or three point game on, on Thursday and it would have helped me a lot in this matchup. I'm probably out of it in that matchup. And if I got those extra two power play points that he scored, it might be, it would have made it more interesting. So the schedule did screw over a lot of people this week. A lot of people. Yeah, same thing happened to me. I uh, sat... Kasperi Kapanen with a goal and an assist last night for uh, Kyle Palmieri, who's a healthy scratch today. But you know what? I'm happy to see it. I'd like to see my guys on the bench perform. It shows me that I can keep Kapanen on the team and I can trust him. Palmieri is a different story who we'll talk about later. But I'm very happy with Kapanen scoring a goal and an assist and playing with Malcolm. So that's looking up for him. You want your team to produce. You want your team to produce, right? And you know, if it's on the bench, you just kind of feel bad about it. It's just like, just wasted that. But at the same time, like, nothing's going to help a guy's outlook more in the future if he's producing a lot more in the present. So it just, it's just it makes you feel so terrible. But it's week two. In week two, you're still sorting out your roster. Mm -hmm. Fantasy exactly. owners, do not get stressed if you're 0-2. Do not get stressed if you're 0-1. Do not overreact and make moves. It's super early in the year. Schedules have been ridiculous with Vegas and Washington, Carolina. Florida just got lucky with the teams they're playing against. R really, just calm down, take a step back, and take an analytical approach to your team. Because the second you start getting emotional, that's the second you start making losing decisions. I think you nailed it there. Like, uh, don't be emotional right now. It's tough because you see your guys, especially if you go down 0-2, you think in a shortened year, um, but you still have time. Like I kind of made a move this week that I, 
I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys make a decision. I'm okay with it. It is what it is. I still have a really good team, in my opinion. Um, but I drafted Tarasenko and Pasternak. So I had them both in my IR spots, and I only have two in our league. So we can't really put anyone else on there. I have other guys who can, are eligible at this point who I'm just kind of letting stay on my roster, and it's kind of taken away from my man games this week. So I had to make the decision because I am trying to win this week too. I really did want to win this matchup. <laughs> Guy who's playing me is really, really annoying sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I dropped Tarasenko thinking that like, hey, I really do want to try and win this week. He's not going to be back for a bit. I have another guy who I can throw right on there. I put line A right on the IR. He'll be back hopefully shortly too. But it was kind of just a mess and I didn't end up, I'm not probably going to win this week too. I'm already down by like 22 points and he's got man games obviously today as well. But I don't know. I kind of went for it, and it, it is what it is. I got Pasternak back. I still have a lot of good players in this team, so it, it, it's, I'm not worried at the end of the day. But, you know, I probably should have held on and, and gone with my original plan to, to wait for Tarasenko to get back. So, You, you but, know, Avery, I love the decision. You, you know why? Why? Because I picked up Tarasenko. So thank you very much yeah. with my extra spot on IR. But Matt Dumba and Chris Letang, they're both getting hurt this game. So now you have to make decisions with Tarasenko too, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's tough to keep guys on the IR right now who aren't playing for a bit because there's so many cases coming up. Um, there's situations with COVID. There's injuries that happen, obviously, as well. And it's just – it's tough, especially with Tarasenko's situation. Like, you don't really know what he's going to come back and, and kind of have the opportunity. I'm hoping he goes right to the first power play, but – you know, what if they try to ease him back in there? Because he's kind of almost missed a full calendar year at this point, right? He came back in the bubble, but, you know, only for a few games before he actually got hurt. So I, I am a little worried about him too. Not worried, but just, like, there's a bit more risk there this year than, than years past, I think. But, you know, and like you were saying, though, there were a bunch of injuries last night. And he, Latang, Dumba, uh, Josh Anderson, Bertuzzi, Mrazek, like, and – and with all these situations, these are, there's new opportunities for other guys. So just looking at that right away, Peter Morazic, if he's out for an extended period of time, I think James Reimer's a must pick up. Um, Carolina is an excellent team. They defense really well. And they're always in games. They're top of the league in shots per game as a team. And if Reimer's in net, he'll be steady. He might not win you every game, but, but they're playing on a good team. He'd be a great little pickup for a week or two. Yeah, and you know the injury last night with Morazic it didn't look that great. Uh, it looked like, honestly, he like shook, shook off his glover, would have been his blocker, but like right away. And then he just kind of like skated as fast as he could to the dressing room. It looked, it looked a little scary, to be honest. Obviously, we don't know the full extent of it just yet. So you kind of have to just be patient, but they do play again today. So obviously, you're going to pick up Reimer, at least for a streaming option. And the potential to play for a decent amount of time is there, again, just from the eye test that that injury did not look too great. Definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, Matt Dumba, Tyler Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, they're playing today. I'm hoping he does play. You haven't really heard much yet, so, but I'm sure you'll get an update later this evening. Um, and then Josh Anderson and Latang. Latang, like, I hope he doesn't miss any time, really, obviously. But, like, he, he, he always seems to get hurt at some point, even though if it's a lower body injury. He might not even miss time, but he always seems to be a guy who has nagging injuries, and you have to always kind of think about that when, you, when you're drafting him and have him on your team. I thought he was better last season with the games played. Uh, I don't have the exact number, but I, I thought he played a decent amount of games last season. I know he missed a couple because I remember Schultz taking over that first power play for a little bit, mm -hmm. but 
like I know even in years past, even before last season, people were always scared to take him because of that injury concern. And he's obviously had a couple seasons where he did not play maybe, I don't even think he played like 40 games for a decent amount of those seasons in full years. He hasn't played 82 games since 2010, 2011. Exactly. So like the concern is definitely, the concern's real. And he played 61 last year, and I think they only played 70 total or 69. Mm-hmm. So he didn't, it wasn't terrible. But, yeah, he hasn't played that full season in a long time. So, they're, they're obviously, that concern is legitimate. So, it, it, I guess if you're picking Chris Letang you, and you see that he's hurt, maybe you pick up a guy like John Marino, who could be available now because a lot of people lost faith in him after you know, drafting him at least. He's probably available in a decent amount of leagues. Maybe you pick someone him like him up. Uh, definitely as a handcuff. Great option. If, if Letang's out, he's probably the guy who steps in on power play one. Also, Nate McKinnon left the game last night in the third period, did not return, ruled out with a lower body injury. Another really big player to keep your eye on. And those other guys we mentioned, keep your eye on it. Hopefully they're not longer term in the back of the lineup soon, but those could mean opportunities for other players. Okay, but let's move into some other news here. And I was happy, very happy to see David Pasternak and Ovechkin back in the lineups last night uh, for the respective clubs. And the game's just better with both those guys in, 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 the, in the lineups, right? Like, they, they, they're some, probably the two of the best goal scorers in the league and just make every game more exciting when you're watching them. David Pasternak, pretty solid debut. I believe five shots, had an assist. You know, looked pretty good on that top line. Looked, never missed a game, never missed a beat. Um, Ovechkin, obviously, rips a nice winner in OT. And, like, he's never – he's the guy we've always seen. He's just built different, Ovechkin. He misses a week. He's not able to do with the team. Doesn't matter. Goes in. Goal and an assist. Goal 28 seconds into overtime is a game winner. He He's a player that I don't know. I'm never going to see a player like that again in my life, I think. The jubilation after scoring a goal. Obviously, overtime winner is huge, but like he just has that excitement all the time. It's fun. He's a fun guy to watch, and he's obviously one of the best goal scorers to play, at least in our generation, arguably of all time, really. <laughs> Which, which is insane because the amount of goals he's scored over his career, he's led the league in goals seven of the last eight years, and he still scores every goal in Sellies like it's his first goal in the NHL. Exactly. That, his passion That's for the wild. game is insane. It reminds me of Marner every time he gets an assist, who somehow seems more happy than when he scores. But it just <laughs> there's this passion to the game. He, he just has that... He has that the kiddedness in him. I know that's not a word, but he has this little kid in him where he just doesn't care. When he scores, he's so happy. It's like when you score a goal in tight house league. You don't care that it's a house league game. You're just fired up because you put the puck in the net. And it's infectious, right? It's infectious. Other guys see it and you feel it. It just brings everybody up. You love to Mm -hmm. see it. You should see my uh, smile right now talking about it. It's it's insane. (laughs) Me too. You look like Alexander Ovechkin scoring a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other news here. Tony D'Angelo, big bomb this morning, placed on waivers. And I guess it shouldn't be too unexpected, right? It's been a rocky start all year. And he did sign a big contract in the summer, but healthy scratch, two games already this year after one game. Guys, if you drafted him, I, I, I think it's time to cut. I think it's time to get he's officially on the cut list and it's time to just move on. I mean, if there's no better option, sure, keep him, but... I don't know how much you're getting for him on the trade market. And I think you're ready. It's come to the point that it's okay. Just like the cost of the cost. It is what it is. This one kind of hurts me, to be honest. I, uh, 
Uh, I'm a big Tony D'Angelo proponent in fantasy, maybe not so much as a person, but he, he's been great. And I've been telling you to keep him and hold on. And honestly, I still would see if he's claimed somewhere where he can get a power play one spot. There's a couple teams with cap space, but if he's not claimed in a great location, I, th- I think you can cut him as well. Honestly, I, I just don't even think it's likely that he's claimed at this point. I, aside from, you know, taking on that salary of his, which only so few teams can do. I just think it's a matter of teams willing to take that behavior and accept that. Obviously, all the antics off the ice. There's just something holding a lot of teams back, and the Rangers included, yeah, for even putting him on the waivers to begin with. After even giving him that contract, everything, it just, Avery said it from the beginning, it's a fishy situation. And I guess we're now seeing the result of this. I once had confidence in him because he obviously put those points up last year, and now it's just like complete irrelevance, really, complete. And he's a one-hit wonder. To, yeah, realistically, yeah, yeah. Nikolai Kuhlman after a thirty-goal season, but yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say he's a one-hit wonder. <laughs> His career's over. He's still no. a pretty young kid. He still has a he's lot a young of skill. Yeah. Like yeah. he he can bounce back. Um, there's in terms of the teams that can claim him, it's it's not looking great for him. You got L.A., Ottawa, where you're not getting power play one. You have Shabbat there. Chicago, because of Taves, because uh, Taves on LTIR, they can they have cap space for him. But like, would he start over Duncan Keith? Not right away. Duncan he might. Keith's gonna, not, but not right away. He'd have to earn it. Well, they Duncan they had Bokvist there to start instead of Keith, right? So like, I I think that spot's up for grabs. I don't think Keith's locked in there. F- fair. So that would be a potential good landing spot. You have the Devils who have Ty Smith there right now. So that's a potential landing spot. I can see him getting the start over Ty Smith, even though I have Ty Smith in two leagues, so I prefer for a not to happen. You have Columbus, and Torts is not – Torts isn't dealing with Tony D'Angelo. I don't care. If he doesn't deal with Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's not dealing with Tony D'Angelo. Uh, you have Detroit, who, which just doesn't excite me very much, and the, the Blues. But when Tarasenko's back, they won't have the cap space for an LTIR. And, and the Sharks, but they have Carlson and Burns, so there's no way yeah. they claim that many good locations for him to go to like see if Chicago or the Devils claim him and maybe hold for a couple days to see what his standings like there but if you want to drop him I wouldn't blame you I don't see Chicago picking him up they, they seem like they're kind of in tank mode as well it, it doesn't make sense to pick up a guy who's and his salary is 4.8 million like Jay's mentioned he was uh, alluding to earlier so it's not like it's insignificant it is something and there's another year on it but it's four point uh, million during a pandemic too, right? Like the costs are adding up for a lot of these teams right now. Everyone's everyone's in a shaky situation financially. Maybe those other guys like Chicago, obviously bigger names, bigger company or, or bigger team, but even still, the financials don't add up for it and just the attitude. But hear me out, hear me out. If you're rebuilding, this is a twenty-five year old D man who's still um, who you still have under contract for two years and put up 53 points last year. That's not yeah. a player that you don't want on a rebuilding team. If you're like, he could be a potential demon you have on your roster for a long time when you're good. So I it's agree. not like a re excuse me. I agree. I agree with you. I agree. So, I think if you look at everything, the skill says he should be on a team. The skill says he should be on a top line power play, but we're not seeing that. It's just, it's not a great situation, obviously, because I do think he has the skill to be a really good offensive defenseman, but 
First of all, if you can't get that opportunity on the first power play, it hurts. Second of all, when you have that attitude that seems to be dragging you down, a lot of these situations, it just doesn't let you reach the full potential for opportunities and just for, for points. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation. We'll keep your eye on it. We'll see if somebody claims him. I, likely, I think he stays with New York. He'll get a shot if he stays, right? He's, he'll probably get another shot in the lineup at some point. And just keep an eye out. He's okay to cut at this point, in our opinions. If he, but you got to do what you got to do. If there's no better option, it's not, a not, it's not terrible to hold. But uh, moving on here, Tyson Berry back on the PP1. Um, which it, Edmonton has to kind of do this. Like, if he's not on power play one, he, like, I don't know how much value he has as, as an actual defenseman. Like, he's not the best defensively. And it, it just makes him more confident when he's up there. Like, that's, that's his strength. So if he's not up there, I don't think you're ever going to really get the best out of him. Um, but th- that definitely brings Darnell Nurse a bit down. And, and Barry, you know, moves back up. But I, I, I'm a little worried about how long he actually is going to stay there. So wouldn't hate the idea of trying to move him now that he's back up there. I completely agree. You gain so much value for being on power play one. Did you see his beautiful assist on the McDavid goal last night? Elite drop pass. <laughs> Elite drop pass in your own zone. Yeah. And you, which is insane because you get so many free points for just being on the ice with McDavid. But the reasoning that I think he was moved to power play two for a bit is because he drives play a bit more than Nurse. On a power play one, you don't need another play driver. You have McDavid. You have Dreisaitl. And on their power play two, they had no big playmakers. So he was the quarterback on that power play when they didn't need it. But they just said, screw it. You know what? Let's load up on power play one. And I love to see it because it makes for very fun hockey. Yeah, I, I am just a little wary there. Um, hopefully it does stay. The power play is clicking right now, but it wouldn't maybe hate to just, maybe the expectations were a little high that we were going to, he's going to bounce back. But um, I think the expectations need to be dimmed down a bit and brought back to earth. Uh, he's a good player, but I don't think he's really going to get to the point total as he was a few years ago of close to 60 points, at least that pace. And, you know, he could drop back. Darnell Nurse was playing well too. So, you know, I, I, I would look to move both of them actually try to capitalize on both their value at this point. Moving on, though, we're going to play a little game of level of concern, okay? So we're going to list a few players here, and we're going to list on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, how much of a concern we have for right, there, right now. So we're going to start with the player who was brought up. You know, I can see online he's – it's it, very often you're seeing this name mentioned right now, and it's Mika Zibanejad. Um, let, chances are you either drafted him in the late first round or, or mid, to, mid to early second round. And you're probably feeling a little bit of concern after the slow start. So, guys, Jace, we'll start with you. What's your level of concern for Mika Zibanejad? Uh, originally, I'm at six, six out of ten. I think that's my level right now. I was thinking about moving it up to seven, but I'm going to stick with six. He's getting a lot of shots right now, and I, obviously I like to see that. The opportunities aren't necessarily the same. You have seen the Rangers power play kind of shake it up a little bit moving him more into the bumper spot versus the half wall where he was last year and, you know, got a lot of opportunities to either shoot the puck or just handle the puck on a power play, which I think is just important in general for fantasy. The thing is, though, he's just not capitalizing. And I think it's not just necessarily him, but the entire Rangers team, their shooting percentage when he's on the ice is, is really low. Like, it's 7%. His shooting percentage right now is 3%. Like, these are numbers that I would expect to go back up. 
like regress towards the mean. And I, I just think that obviously the whole Rangers team is just going through a little funk right now. Everything going on, it seems like there's some distractions there. They're not playing necessarily their best hockey. I'm at a six out of 10, but you know, obviously you need to keep an eye on this and see how this evolves. I think he'll start to put pucks in the back of the net. I think he's on for a lot of high danger scoring chances, which are another key measure for you know, looking at the value or looking at just the legitimacy of the chances that he's a part of. So I'm still staying cautiously optimistic here. Six out of 10. That's what I'm going to stick with. I think I'm a little lower on him than you are. I am at a seven out of 10 at this point, just solely because of the eye test. If you watch a Rangers game, you do not see Zabinijad out there. He's invisible. He's not controlling the play. He is not all over the puck. To compare it to Pedersen, remember last week when, when people were all stressed out that Pedersen wouldn't perform? Yes, myself included. Yes, but when, if you were watching the game, he had the puck on his stick the entire time. The game was flowing through him. He didn't look out of it. The puck just wasn't going in the net. Mm-hmm. Versus Zabinijad, I really don't see that. As a Zabinijad owner, I am quite disappointed. And I, I tried to trade him for Pedersen in a couple leagues last week, and it did not work. But, and obviously I wouldn't cut him, and obviously I wouldn't be looking to sell low. But my level of concern is definitely rising substantially for Zabinijad week after week. Yeah, I believe it's valid too, both of you. Um... I'm right around the same boat. I'm going to say Lane more with Kyle, though. I might even go a bit higher. I'll say an eight. Um, and a lot of it has to do with his spot on the power play. Like, it's switched. And I don't really know why they've done this. Like, they've put Strom on the right half wall, and they have Panarin on the left half wall, and they have Zabinijad doing, uh, running the bumper spot. And Zabinijad will get his points. Like, I don't, I'm not worried he's not going to start producing, right? Jay said 3%. His career average is 10%. So it's going to come up. But... If he's not on that half of a spot where he can really utilize that shot of his, you're taking away a large amount of those opportunities that he had last year where he was insane, right? Like his like absolutely insane the goal pace he had last year, right? Like 44, 41 and 55, right? 41 and 57, right? So obviously there was going to be some regression. But like if he's not on that spot, it's a large amount of those opportunities gone and, and that worries me, right? It does worry me. Uh, he's still getting shots. The shooting percentage is going to come up, but for where you took him in the draft, you were expecting a lot, right? So if he's not getting those spots that he was last year, it's a little concerning. You obviously go, Kyle said, you cannot cut. You, you can look to trade him. Sure. But I'm not really sure you're going to get the value that you had him at. So like, I, I'm with you. I might even be a bit more concerned than you guys. It's not a great situation altogether, obviously, with the placement, at least where he was drafted. You do obviously expect a lot more. It's tricky. Okay. Player number two, Ilya Samsonov, guys. He's on the COVID list, so obviously he's not playing right now. But is their level of concern a bit higher now that Vitek Vanacek has been stellar to start his NHL career? Yeah, I think it's there. Um, So does Jace. We both think it's there, and I think – for a good reason. He looks like coming into the year, he was going to have a clear goaltender one role where he could really carry your team and get you a lot of starts. And now it looks like he's a 1A in a 1A, 1B system. And he could potentially be a 1B when he comes back. We don't know what they're thinking. So my, my level of concern is 
from the point where he was drafted, probably a nine, because you're not going to get nearly that much value in return. In one of our leagues, he was drafted 28th overall, which was insane, first of all. I have no idea how he was drafted 28th overall, but you're not going to get 20th overall value for him. And that is why we always tell you, don't pick goalies early. You can always pick up goalies later. Even though Never. John Gibson had a horrible start to last night's game and he got pulled early, he's been ridiculous. I have him in two leagues, and I was drafting him in slot 135. He had two shutouts so far. He's been insane. You can always pick up goaltender points late. Learn from this. Learn from Sansonov. What do you guys think? You should also say, I wanted to point out that in that league where – Samsonov is taking 28th. I have been messaging the Samsonov owner every single day. Just one thing. Vitek Vanacek. Every single day I send him that message. <laughs> have you actually? Every, yes. Every single day I have sent him that message because I picked him up in that league. Like if you have Samsonov and you're seeing that this guy is starting to, you know, win, you should pick him up. You need to, get, you need to pick up Vitek Vanacek. He didn't, and I did. So every single day, I've just been messaging him. Vitek Vanacek. <laughs> 40 saves last night. Big win. 9 out of 10 for me, too. I'm, I'm concerned if I have Arlen or Sorry, if I have uh, Samsonov, which I don't. But I have Vitek, so I'm happy there. But the concern <laughs> is legitimate. All right? Just go through those two games that Samsonov played. 868 save percentage. 3.36 goals against average. Granted, it's only a two-game sample size. But uh, Vitek Vanacek in the games since then, I believe that's six games. Seven. Uh, seven games. Sorry. 918 save percentage, 2.78 goals against average. And hasn't lost a game in regulation. So I think my level of concern is a little less. So I'm going to say it's a seven. So there is definitely reason for concern. But I do think they're going to still give Samson a, a crack to be their guy. Like they, they let Holpe walk. So I think they're going to give him the shot. Um, he obviously played well last year and deserves some credit for that, right? And deserves a shot. But I think Vitek Vanacek has definitely earned himself some consideration here with this play lately. And I don't think that's going away. So what Kyle was saying, I think it's going to be more of a tandem coming when it's coming back. So the concern is there, right? But he's still going to get his starts, I think. And, but if he does a little falter down the stretch here, like if, when he comes back and he's not on his game, you know, Vitek's right over his shoulder waiting for this spot. So um, there's definitely some reason for concern there. And if you are a Samson Olive owner, Vitek's still available on the wire. Definitely go for him. And even try to make a small trade if you can, if you can, right? Because his value might be a little bit higher. And, but I'd also leave him look like uh, as a VTech owner, look to be moving him as well, right? Because when Samsonov does come back, he will like he lose some starts, right? He's going to, that's inevitable. Like he's not going to have four, three and four starts probably every week. So definitely something to keep your eye on. Okay. So we'll do one more level of concern here and we'll talk about Travis Konechny. So Travis Konechny was a healthy scratch in yesterday's game uh, for the Flyers not pretty unexpected so you're not too like what's your level of concern here guys my level of concern is very low obviously connecting is a spectacular player he's ranked 54th in your average yahoo points league and i think it was just a wake-up call for him he's not gonna or at least i don't think he's gonna move down down in the lineup anytime soon level of concerns of two not worried about him at all exact same thing 
you know, he's still leading the team with eight points in eight games. <laughs> so, like, it's not like he's just one of these, like, peripheral offensive guys. Like, he's one of the better scoring threats on their team. He's one of the better offensive weapons on that team. So, like you said, a wake-up call from Alambino. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too stressed out. Two out of ten. Yeah, we're all in agreement here. Honestly, I'm going to say zero. Like, I'm not even concerned at all. Like, I think it simply just was a wake-up call. Um, I, Kevin Bieksa was actually talking about it last night on the broadcast that, you know, AV has a history of, you know, trying to send a message this way. If you're not playing well, you know, you can't take things for granted. So, like you were saying, eight points in eight games. He has looked good in his games. You know, maybe there's some, some things they wanted to fix up. And I'm sure he'll get the message. He's a player who works hard, and I wouldn't be too concerned. You know what's nuts? What? I've gotten multiple messages over the week or last night that people have dropped Konechny in their leagues. Multiple. So if someone dropped Konechny in your league, please do yourself a favor and put a waiver claim in for him. That is the most ridiculous drop you can possibly do. Some, that's scoring a point per game right now. So please put it in your lineup. Pick up Travis Konechny. Do not, <laughs> do not let someone else from your league pick him up. That is insane. I can't. <laughs> I just, if you're doing that, don't like, don't be one of those teams that drop a great player too soon. Like that is the definition of a premature drop. Definitely. I have a question for you guys. So if you're in a league where you have a free agent acquisition budget, how much of it are you just throwing on Konechny? I'm putting a significant portion of that budget into Konechny. He can... He can win you a league. He's so good. I, I'm throwing a lot of money on connecting. It, dep- it depends on the depth of your league, too, and how, how, how many other guys on the wire who maybe are similar. Like, I know that, like, there are players who are playing in, you know, eight-man, ten-man leagues where the roster sizes are smaller, and there are guys like, you know, Thomas Hurdle available on the wire. So, you know, connecting is better than Hurdle, but, like, by how much, right? So, you, okay. you can't be blowing your bank too much. If it it kind of depends on your league. But if it's a deeper league, yeah, I'm willing to spend, you know, upwards of 50% for it. Fair. Yeah, fair. I'd say 60. I think it's a good number. Put your money on Konechny. Bet on Travis Konechny. I love it. <laughs> but let's, sh- let's shift gears here and let's play a game of keeper cut. So there's obviously been some guys on your roster who you're – you probably drafted a bit higher and they probably haven't got off to the best start that you've wanted – and you're wondering, like, how much longer can I endure, you know, having this guy on my roster when there's players on the wire who are performing? So, with that in mind, we're going to start with Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano, you know, he's had a slower start, but he's still been somewhat productive. He gets blocks. He gets hits. Um, he can he'll throw some pucks on net. He has a few points. Um, guys, would you keep or cut Mark Giordano? In a league where blocks are worth something, where you get points for blocks, I probably hold Giordano for now um but I mean if you're just talking like no league or sorry no blocks if there's categories and blocks isn't one of them if you're in a points league and there's no point value for blocks you might have to cut Mark Giordano which is which is kind of sad to say because he's been one of the like I think a great defenseman over the last five even ten years really but you're just not getting that power play time like he had some time against the Leafs where they actually scored a goal when he was on the power play with the top unit. But it seems like right now Rasmus Anderson is kind of becoming more and more of the power play one defenseman on that team. Like I had some concerns about him at the beginning of the year, but he's just owned the power play time. 
relatively he looked good there too. Yeah. Yeah. He scored a goal, I believe, not last game, but the game before. Like, if they're scoring with Rasmus Anderson on the ice on the top power play, it just makes it makes Geo Geo's output a lot less attractive for fantasy, realistically. So I, I would say you don't have that block shot or that block category, that block point value. You can probably cut Mark Giordano. Yeah, which is sad, to be honest. Like he without him, I would not have won my league last year. He has well, been did you win that league, really? Did you? <laughs> According to Yahoo, I won that league. According to the person who made the most money out of the league, I won that league. I, I, I think if you came first in the regular season, you won okay. the league. Obviously okay, let's not have this debate right now. Okay, but let's not I have this debate league. right now. Sure. I will sure. stand on my soapbox and say this forever, but I agree. It, it's sad because Giordano has been a great fantasy player for so long, and you kind of really have to evaluate your team. If you're looking to cut someone and you're really deep, on D-man, see what you can get in the trading block for him. See if you can get a solid forward because he still does have a lot of name value. He still will put up some blocks. His plus minus probably won't be that bad. He really controls play well. His advanced stats are always good. But it, you, you can look to move on from him right now. I, I wouldn't be too quick to pull the trigger, but if you have a really solid team and if you're, or if you're not in a really deep league, he, he's cuttable. You guys aren't wrong. Uh, and just to add to your point, like Calgary's power play is actually eighth in the league right now. So it's clicking. Like there's no need to be making a change with Rasmus Anderson there. Um, but I, I'm probably keeping just based on the fact that like you have some name value that you could probably trade. And like there, there likely aren't too many better options available on the wire than Mark Giordano, right? He still can chip in with points. He's got three and seven games. So it's not terrible. It's just not what you expected from one of those guys who was getting drafted relatively early. But like Jason was saying, if he doesn't have blocks in your league too, like there's very little value to be added there too. So like you were saying, you could. I I would probably keep just based on the limited options that are available in in our leagues that are a bit deeper. But it's sad. It is sad. You know, he's been such a good option for so long, but it it doesn't seem likely that, you know, he's having another career year anytime soon. So let me ask you guys this. If Rasmus Anderson is available, do you drop Mark Giordano for Rasmus Anderson? Yes. Oof. I think the I, answer is yes. Without a I, question. I actually, no. I, what I would do is try and drop somebody else so I could have a handcuff. Yes. Right? That's, a, that's a much better call. That's um, what I would do. It's always great to have one A and one B on the power play. If you have Pionk, it's great to have Morrissey. So when Pionk went on power play two, you were completely fine. But... Pionk is still winning in our uh, bet, by the way, Seth Jones. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of time there, big guy. Yeah, like every time. single podcast, Kyle needs to transition over to Neil Pionk. I think he has an agreement with Neil Pionk where he has to say his name minimum five times during the podcast. <laughs> Neil, Pionk, Neil, Pionk, Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's real, relax. Quota. <laughs> relax. Getting in his quota here. Yeah, it's always good to have your handcuff. If you, if you don't have the option to drop anyone else, he's droppable. But really take a deep look at your team before you drop a guy like Gio. Definitely. Yeah. If you need to make a pickup and he's, he is your worst guy and you're trying to make a push in your matchup, you know, sometimes it is what it is. You got to do it. You got to bite the bullet. But it's also not necessarily someone I'm going out of my way to drop right now. 
But let's move on here to another player who's, you know, he's been at a bit of an interesting start, drafted relatively high in terms of goalies. Igor Shosturkin. Are you keeping or are you cutting Igor Shosturkin? Uh, I'm, I'm keeping him. I'm keeping him. I think just with the draft capital that you have, it, it's just a real, it's not good roster management to drop someone who you likely could have taken as your number one goalie, your goalie one on your team this quickly. And I like even say that, you know, the whole team hasn't been too great. I still think this team can play better and I still think this team can win games and he can be better too. Uh, the only thing that kind of does concern me is the fact that, you know, Georgiev and Shesterkin are kind of turning more into a 1A, 1B option than, than we might have initially thought at the beginning of the season. But I still have confidence with Shesterkin. We've seen the talent last year. He obviously put on a show and uh, I'm, I'm confident in him. I think you ho- you'll hold on to him and keep him. Don't cut him right now. So, so am I. I really do not like Georgiev as a goalie. He had a really good first game of the year. He had a 23-save shutout. But since then, let up four goals on 20 shots, was pulled. Let up three goals on 24 shots. Let five goals on 38 shots. Those are not good stats. He's not going to be able to hold down a 1B spot if he holds down those stats. Obviously, Shesterkin hasn't been great as well because he's giving Georgiev a chance. But hold on to Shesterkin. He's looking fine to me. So I'm going to give two options here. I want, to, I want to add to it, keep cut or trade. And I'd be looking to move him. You can't cut him because he, you, you've drafted him high. You, you, like there, like you, there is obviously risk for – like not risk. There's obviously a chance that he's going to pick it up and get back to where he was last year, which he was dominant, right, in his 12 appearances. He was, you know, 10 and 2, right, 932 save percentage. So he's, he was great last year. It was a small sample size, so there was expectations. But – I'm worried about New York, man. Like, I don't think they defend very well. It's a tough division this year. There's really no room for error there. And like you were saying, Yorgiev's getting starts. I'd be looking to trade him. I'd be looking to trade him. And then the second option is there that you can't move him and get the value that you want. Like, I would be looking to pick up Yorgiev and, and have the 1A, one, one 1B one on my team as a handcuff, I guess. Yeah. And you're just rolling with the Rangers. But other than that, like, I, I'm not confident really in the Rangers going forward. I have a question. How do you guys approach trading a player? I, I'm still keeping. I'm not trading him because you get you, you get pennies on your dollar for him. But what's the best way you approach trading a player? Because I always have to wait for someone to offer me a trade. Then I offer a counter with the guy I want to trade. Because if I'm sending someone an offer, they know that I want to trade that player. What do you guys do in that situation if you want to get rid of a guy? If you want to get rid of a guy, you probably have to package him realistically like if you really want to move on from a guy you're gonna have to likely get up give up some other value to make sure that it's you know not a complete waste not a complete loss on your end like Shesterkin maybe you package him with a good forward to get a good defenseman something like that like obviously in times like this people know that Shesterkin doesn't have the greatest value right like it's like someone trying to trade Tony D'Angelo to me the other week I talked about it, but you're not going to get good value. And it's sort of the same thing with Shesterkin, except now I, I think there's more upside, obviously, in Shesterkin than I do with Tony D. But like the point being is these are times when people recognize that they can get bargain deals and they could take advantage of players like Shesterkin. I think you would probably have to package it up if you really want to shake the guy, package it up to make sure you got some value back. I agree. In one of our leagues, someone sent the entire league a message 
saying it's just Sturkin's available. Let's see uh, what I can get for him. The best offer he got was Ilya Sorokin. Like, he, when you try to say, this guy's available, what can I get for him? It, it never works. You have to make it look like you're not trading. You don't want to trade a guy because you're going to get horrible offers and you're just going to have to either eat a really bad trade, which is always a horrible idea, or mm -hmm. hold on to the player. You just so, lose all your leverage, right? Exactly. It's you a negotiation. You lose all your leverage. It is. It is. You lose all of your leverage. Like, all the cards are off the table. You just, you know you're going to put yourself in a bad situation, especially for a guy who's not playing too great to say something like that, to broadcast it publicly to your league. Oh, X player who's not playing well is now available if anybody wants. Like, everyone's going to read that as, I can buy this guy for little to nothing. Yeah, it's... You know, it's not the best strategy, but then they're like, sometimes, you know, they broadcast players who do have legitimate value and they, some people just love to trade. No, but the first thing I'm looking for when I'm moving guys is who's emotional right now, right? Who's at the bottom of the league? Who's having a bad week? Who's having injuries troubles right now? Who might be willing to make a move because the roster's a bit, you know, depleted. So that's what I look for right away. And then I look to capitalize maybe on a bit of momentum, right? I look for the, like maybe Shesterkin to have a really bounce back game so that, you know, in the media, they're talking about how he's good to go. He's had a few games in a row where he's starting to look like himself, right? Because I don't trust it long-term. I don't. Um, but that's how I, I do it. I kind of run it on, on the emotions of people and, and trying to package players who, you know, still have some value, but maybe aren't the greatest. Um, but but Shesterkin, I think, could get you, a, you know, a mid, mid to late round forward who's, who has some value. And maybe you even take a flyer on someone who's who maybe buy low, right? They're technically both kind of buy low candidates right now. So, you know, that's something I would be looking for. So we'll do one more level of uh, keeper cut here. And we'll move on to our, you know, our new segment that we're excited to announce. Anthony Mantha. What do you do with Anthony Mantha? So slow start out of the gate. You know, he's been taken off the line with Dylan Larkin. You know, there's definitely some expect expectations year after year with this guy, really, there's expectations. But, you know, five points through nine games. You know, Jeff Blaschel, he's talked about how he wants to see the Mantha from last year, you know, back and back ASAP. What, what are you doing with Anthony Mantha right now? Uh, I'm keeping him. I just think he's a very skilled player. He's actually had points in his last two games. He may have turned the corner. You never know. Keep him for now, but I closely monitor I, I draft him in a couple of leagues, too. I'm, I'm looking to hold as well. But, Jace, what do you think? I think just because of where some people draft him, you might want to keep him. But I think I'm a little bit more bearish on, on Anthony Mantha. I think of this guy as a shooter. Like, he can score goals. I think one of the biggest things for me, what really scares me, is that when I see shooters not shoot the puck as much. And if you look at Anthony Mantha's stats last year, he was averaging more than three shots a game. Right now, he's averaging 2.3 shots per game. And that usually kind of sends some red flags to me. It's actually kind of the same situation I saw with Mike Hoffman too, drastically less shots taken this year. So whenever I see a shooter is shooting less, I feel like the confidence is just not 100% there. And, you know, if you're not playing with Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi, who realistically are probably the first and I'd say third best offensive player on that team, you know, does do some damage. Because who's he playing with right now, right? Philip Zadina's hurt too. So he's going to be playing maybe with Val Filpula. Like, he's with Nemestikov, I think. Nemestikov. Okay, Nemestikov's not bad, but I'm a little, I'm a little scared with Anthony Mantha. 
Um, while we're on the topic of Detroit, I just want to bring up one quick thing. Kristen Juice, DJ OOS, I apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong. He has slotted in on Power Play One for just a, li for a little bit of time. We don't know if this is just a little blip to wake up Hronik. We don't know mm -hmm. if Flash was just trying something out. But keep an eye out on him. He might be a pickup in a really deep league. Keywords yeah. are really deep. But I'm actually glad that you brought that point up with um, Juice on the Power Play. Blasio loves to work the blender around. Like, I, I don't think Larkin and Mantha will be apart for too long. Um, like you said, Mantha's at points in back-to-back -back games now. I, I love my shooters, so I'm not going to drop him. I have invested in him. I'm not ready to give up yet. But he's definitely someone to keep your eye on. And, and I get what Jace is saying about, you know, he's tipping closer to that tipping point. So someone to keep your eye on for sure. But we're going to shift uh, our focus here. So I wanna, we're going to introduce a new segment here, and I'm going to let Jace take this one over. So we've had some communications over the past couple of weeks, and uh, we're really excited to announce Socking Behavior as a, as a new sponsor for the Puck Round podcast. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Socking Behavior is a website offering sock packages, some really nice dress socks. Uh, if I say so myself, I've already invested a little bit because my sock wardrobe is not that great, nothing to brag about. <laughs> and inspired by the fashion and the style and the charisma that's you know really offered by this we kind of have our own new segment that we're introducing it's the socking behavior studs of the week so each week we're going to go through you know all the games and keep track of who believe who we believe have been the best players in that week so i'm going to start us off here i wanted to say vitek vanacek but you know we talked about him before i'm going to skip him and i'm going to talk about victor olofsson who has been sneaky good these past couple of games. He's got seven points his last six games. He's got a six-game point streak. And he has that half wall on the power play. And if you look at the, you look at the Sabres power play right now, Jack Eichel has looked a lot across the box to Victor Olofsson. And that is very encouraging for me. You know, I think we all thought last year, like, he had such a great season. He's playing with Jack Eichel. Like, let's see if this could be sustained. And then he starts out the year. He's not on the same line. You get a little scared. But honestly, that power play has been looking pretty good. And Victor Olofsson on that power play has been looking great. So my first stud of the week, uh, I'm picking Victor Olofsson. Okay, I'm going to go with a bit of a homer pick here. But it's a guy I can genuinely see wearing these incredible socks because you know he's <laughs> stylish mother ever. <laughs> I'm going to go Austin Matthews. He scored a goal in each game this week. He looked amazing. You can see him wearing those socks, can't you? He is a, he's a very nice dresser. So <laughs> he is my stud of the week. He's a very fitting candidate for the, for the socking behavior oh. stud of the week. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to give some guys some love here who – really has been absolutely stellar to start the year. And, and he's a guy who gets slept on really in every draft, including by myself. And that's Nicholas Backstrom. Nicholas Backstrom is points in five straight. And he's got five goals, eight assists, 23 shots. So he's shooting a bit more than normal too. Um, plus minus is solid. He's a plus player. And he's really stepped up here with all those guys missing their lineup, right? Ovechkin, Orlov, Kuznetsov, Samsonov. You know, they've only lost one game with those guys out of lineup. And I don't even, I think it was in a shootout. So, you know, some guys have had to step up with those guys missing and it's been Nick Backstrom. So he's my socking behavior stud of the week. Awesome stuff. Well, all those guys that we mentioned are pretty well dressed. So 
I just wanted to close one thing out here. If you go to the or the Socking Behavior website, SockingBehavior.com, you can use the promo code PuckPod, so P-U-C-K-P-O-D, PuckPod, to get 10% off your purchase. So PuckPod, Socking Behavior Studs of the Week. All right. I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Uh, it's been very fun chatting hockey with you as always. Uh, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at the underscore AFH network for all your news, updates. And if you need any help, just shoot us a message. We're always here for you. Can't wait for next week. We'll speak to you soon.